Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. This is the word of God, and it is eternally true. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, these are the final three verses of the Gospel of Matthew. It's what is called the Great Commission. And many Bible students point out that this is the very center of the Gospel of Matthew, the most important part. If you read books on writing, they tell you that the last word of the sentence, the last sentence of the paragraph, the last paragraph of the chapter and the last chapter of the book are the most important parts. And here we have at the very end the summary of what all of Matthew has been teaching and preaching to us. It's the Great Commission. I said last time we studied this that probably if John 3.16 used to be the verse that was most likely to be known by heart, to be memorized in vacation Bible school. As you get older, probably the second most likely to be memorized in the Gospels is this great commission. Many of you can repeat it by heart. And so evangelicalism, which is the word we use and have been using for centuries to refer to people that honor Scripture as the Word of God and not simply a collection of spiritual sayings, who believe in the substitutionary atonement and not simply that Jesus is a good example, but that he bore upon himself the penalty for our sins. And we, having faith in him, have that righteousness of his and that suffering of his applied to our account. Evangelicals through the centuries have believed that if they're not faithful in anything else, they're certainly faithful in obeying the Great Commission. Last time we studied this, I read the Great Commission as it's presented in several other texts, in Mark and Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1, and in John 20, verses 21 to 23. All of them give a parallel account of the Great Commission. Now, what is a commission? Well, a commission for an officer is the command he gets from his superior officer that allows him to be an officer, in other words, to be in charge of other men. I have, for a number of years, uh, gave myself to the reading of um, the uh, Jack Aubrey, Patrick O'Brien, and the Horatio Hornblower C.S. Forster books about uh, the Royal Navy in the time of the Napoleonic Wars. And if you've ever read any of those books, you know that the books revolve around two things, basically. One is battles preparing for battles, cleaning up after battles, but battles. And the second thing is the commission of the captain, the head of the ship. And the whole plot of the series, and really the plot of every individual book, is whether or not he's going to make it to a larger ship, how many guns he has, and whether or not he'll finally reach the admiralty. And if the first shot of a a battle is high liturgy in the book, 
Higher liturgy is when he takes command of a new ship. You know what I'm talking about, those of you who have read the book. And when he takes command of the new ship, he reads himself into being God on the ship. What he does is he takes his orders, his commission, and he goes on. He's piped onto the boat. Having gotten on the boat, he assembles the men, and what does he do? He reads the orders that he has received from the admiralty. And once he's read those orders, every man on that boat knows that he has become God to them. He can kill them. He can whip them. He can take them into battle. He can bury them. He's God to them. And so this is the high, high liturgy in any of those novels. What? 30, 35 of them. It's his commission. And having said that the authority, the the awesome authority of the British Empire has come through the admiralty to him, you know that he's not dealing with you on his own basis, but that he's dealing with you on the basis of the admiralty in the whole British Empire. And when he goes the whole way around the world, what can he do? He can take pirates captive. He can blow up their ships. Any, any ship of any nation that's in hostilities against the British Empire, he can blow the ship to smithereens. Because he's not just a little man. But he is the captain of the ship, and however many guns it has, however many men he has, everywhere he goes, he represents the British Empire. And that was no small authority. And so the account of those books is how every single one of the encounters does build the authority of the British Empire or undercuts it. And whether or not he will be promoted on the basis of him following his commission. Today, are men's positions in the church a result of them fulfilling the great commission? Does Joel Osteen fulfill the great commission? Billy Graham fulfill the Great Commission. Bill Bright fulfill the Great Commission. Tim Bailey fulfill the Great. I'm not saying my name because I'm like them. You know, now I don't have the status and stature of them, but I'm saying here I am. Do I fulfill the Great Commission? Does David Canfield fulfill the Great Commission? And so what I've tried to do as we've gone through the Great Commission is I've tried to show us that none of us believe in the Great Commission at all. Every single part, every word, every phrase, we make a big show of obeying it, and we don't obey it at all. Which I think is a good approach to every single word and phrase and sentence and paragraph and chapter and book of Scripture. Because if you're honest, and it really is the Word of God, one thing for sure is that it's not Nora Roberts. You don't know who Nora Roberts is? Oh, I can't believe it. Come on, be honest. Those of you that know who Nora Roberts is, raise your hand. Come on. All right, now look around here. So so apparently, Nora Roberts is like bonkers selling more books than anybody else. Read a long profile of her this last week. If you want to understand America, read a profile of Nora Roberts. Quite interesting what we as Americans love more than anything. 
So we are under the commission of Jesus Christ. And what we're supposed to do is have his character, and we're supposed to have officers who submit to the commission and conform us to the character of our Lord. And this is a Christian nation, and the airwaves are filled with Christian teaching. Unbelievable amounts of money goes through Christian coffers. And far and away, the most popular author in America today is Nora Roberts. What about television? All of you loved Seinfeld when it was, when it was being released. Seinfeld. And we have pastors and preachers and conference speakers who are faithful to the Great Commission, and we like Seinfeld. And what about what's on your iPod? The bands. You know, specifically. The actual lyrics. Next week, I want all of you to take your cue and look at favorites and look at the top favorite. And then I want you to write down the words and and bring them here and we'll read them during the worship service. All right, forget your iPods, tunes. Let's see what movies you've watched more than anything. Bring the script and we'll read it during corporate worship. Here's my premise. My premise is that if we're studying the book of God, that every time we read it, we're going to find that in our depravity, as Christians in our depravity, we will make a show of obeying it, but doing the very opposite. That's my premise. So if we take the Great Commission, which is high, high liturgy for evangelicals, my premise is that we'll find that as we make a great show of obeying the Great Commission, we don't do it at all. Not at all. And if you understand that, now you know why I've been preaching on it so long. And now you you have a way to order it. Look at it. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority. And so we spent some time studying all authority. All authority has been given to me. So Jesus has all authority. And we spent time learning how we always remove Jesus' authority from wherever we are. So he has authority in heaven. He'll have authority at the second coming. He has authority in the church. He has authority in the worship in the church, not in the nursery and not in the women's restroom. And not in, not in the pastor's offices where we count money. All right. But he has authority in the church, in the private church he has authority. Certainly not at home usually, except when we have family devotions. All right, maybe at home privately and at church privately in corporate worship. Certainly not at Indiana University. Not at Indiana University. And certainly not in the public school system. And certainly not in Washington, D.C., except at, you know, Maybe in some of the Bible studies these guys have, you know, under the fellowship. Why? Because what? Because everybody in the Western world believes in separation of church and state. And this is a rubric within which all of us need feel no tension over the fact that Jesus Christ and his authority has been eviscerated of the entire public life of the Western world. 
And we feel good about it because, after all, we can't have people killing each other over faith. You know, and so aren't we evolved? You know, we're progressive. We finally have gotten rid of having people killed for their gods. You know, like unborn children killed for their gods, the gods of convenience and autonomy and, and, you know, and careers. Aren't we evolved, you know? Think of all those centuries where those nasty religionists killed people, you know, by the thousands. And we killed them by the billion. We're evolved. Separation of church and state is what we believe in, right? All right. And see, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And Christians fall all over ourselves trying to tell the world not to worry about me because my God's a private God and my religion's a private religion. And, you know, I'll keep it in the church and I'll keep it at home around the table when we have any guests who are pagans. I'd never think of having family devotions with pagans at my dinner table. I mean, that would be oppressive. Well, in fact, I won't have any pagans to my table. And we can have it here in church because, after all, we don't ever invite any pagans to church because the way the church grows is actually just by us sharing the gospel, not bringing them to church. We don't want them to meet the reality of what we believe. Keep that private. I'm not going to admit to my roommate what I believe, for heaven's sakes. It's going to be private. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So where is Jesus' authority on earth anyhow with you? Hmm? Where is it? Where is it? Next door neighbor? No. The courts? No. The Constitution has authority in the courts, not Jesus Christ. Washington? No. Indianapolis? No. Extended family reunions? Not. Vacations? No. I'm on vacation from my problems. And one of the chief ones is the authority of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Do you see? Big show of obeying scripture. And then we eviscerated of any meaningful content that would cause us to suffer. That's what it's about. All authority, says Jesus, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Separation of church and state private worship services, private devotionals at home, out in public, we're just American citizens, right? All authority. Therefore, go. So he has authority, and therefore, because of his authority, on earth we are to go. Well, we don't go. We we pay other people to go. And then if we do go... We don't do what he tells us to do when we go. We don't make disciples of him. We make disciples of corrupted, decadent American evangelicalism. And so in Africa, when we finally Christianize the continent, and Rwanda's Christian... In three months' time, those Christians pick up machetes and kill 750,000 to 1 million of each other. You know that happened, right? You know that happened. 
And it's a Christian nation. It was Christians that killed each other because our missionaries went and made disciples of all men. Tons of money flowed into Rwanda. All kinds of Christian missionaries were there. Americans prayed for the Rwandans. Then they started hacking each other to death. Not guns, not bombs, machetes with blood. Their next-door neighbors, their brothers, their sisters, their uncles, their aunts. They hacked each other to death. They did it in churches. You can go there and see churches piled with the bones, Christian churches. And it didn't phase us. American Christianity went on like a merry-go-round. And after the three months were over, our president, three months later or six months or a year later, said, I was wrong. I should have done something. We all knew what was going on when it was going on. We didn't do anything here. They killed each other, and American Christianity did nothing here. The president at the time was a member of the Southern Baptist Convention. Nobody did anything. And we say we obey this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. In South Africa, we've got apartheid. We've got necklacing, and now we've got humongous murder rate. Christian nation... In America, we've got racism. Most segregated hour of the week, Sunday morning, it's racism. That's what it is. But, you know, everybody excuses it by saying, well, you know, there are cultural differences. And what that really means is Reformed Presbyterians and Reformed Baptists never have a beat. (laughs) Honestly, people, that's racism. All these flowery arguments about why having a beat in worship is sinful. And it just happens to end up that no brother who likes rap ever comes in our church. And it just happens to happen. No drums. No wailing soprano or tenor. And certainly no gauche uh, what's it called, Leslie, or, you know, that spins the organ? Rotary, whatever it is. It just happens that we whites have what we whites like. No racism. Galatians was written for problems that the early church had, and thank God none of us are Judaizers. You know, we're whiteizers. But... That's not the same because circumcision and being white aren't tied together. You know? And after all, blacks have a different culture. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And so we're not disciples. And if we make disciples, we make them white. We make them committed to the Western tradition of the good and the beautiful and the true. The Western constitutional democratic laissez-faire capitalism tradition. The Western free tradition. It's devoid of color. And it's private. And somehow it doesn't ever end up with any of us going to jail or losing our tax-exempt status. Isn't that convenient? 
All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And White Kierkegaard says we make a big show of bringing nuts because the man likes nuts, so bring him nuts. So we bring him tons and tons and tons of nuts, make a huge showing of bringing him nuts, but none of the nuts have any meat. It's just the shell. And then we make a big show of being faithful to what he's commanded. And so we're segregated. We do have blacks down south in our churches. You know what they do. They take care of our children and they're paid. That's what Presbyterianism is. You say, well, what's this race thing? And I say, well, heck, you know, why not race? What do you want me to talk about? Your iPod? I think some of you were relieved I got off that subject. How about your laptop? Make a big show of being disciples and our laptops tops are covered with erased cookie files and deleted histories. And we use the browsers that do them. And how about our televisions? Our televisions are filled with the slaughter of human beings made in the image of God. We are entertained by the very thing that God says should be rewarded with the execution of the man that does it. The shedding of the blood of those who bear his image. And that's our entertainment. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. American evangelicalism is disciples, disciples, disciples. Make disciples of all ethnicities. That's, that's what it means. Baptizing them. Baptizing. American evangelical churches are filled with people who have never been baptized and come to the Lord's table. And so we don't obey it. We don't require people to be baptized anymore, even though Jesus commanded it, because after all, who would want people to think baptism saves them? It's better to not do what Jesus commands. It's better to sacrifice than to obey. Because I know what Jesus wants better than he does. No, no, no. I know what Jesus wants better than the method he's told me to get to where he wants. I have a more sophisticated method. Uh, I know that in a Campbellite area, Roman Catholic area, Muslim area, baptism is, is counterproductive, really. And so we don't require baptism. We want people to be messed up, whether by kill, being killed in Islamic nations or by thinking it saves them in Lutheran and Roman Catholic areas. And so we don't baptize. And then pretty soon our religion has absolutely no organic content, no obedience, no authority. And then, of course, no, author- no, no, no officers. You know, the 11, remember from two weeks ago, he gave the, this commission to the 11, not just to the church in general. He gave it to the 11. Look above at the verse. It's to the 11 that he gave it. So we have no officers. And... People don't have to be baptized to come to the table. And then we read that baptism has the content of repentance and faith. So maybe you're committed to baptism, but then you remove repentance. It's just faith, right? Baptism, you don't have to repent. Just tells angels have to repent. Goths, you know, people with lots of piercings, they have to repent. And, and then we get a good testimony from them. But if you grow up in a Christian home, you don't need to repent.
All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm a oneness Pentecostal. We like to baptize in Jesus' name. And after all, we're all Christians. So are we? So it doesn't matter that he explicitly says, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, I had a bad father. He raped me. And I'm not going to pray in Father in the name of the Father. It's hurtful to me. And the whole world is filled with evangelists that are prepared to tell you that it's okay if you pray to God as creator. It's okay if you pray to God as mighty God. It's all right if you give up Father because we understand how hurtful that is to you. And so churches all over our country baptize in the name of creator, redeemer, sustainer. Oneness Pentecostals, creator, redeemer, sustainer. You know? Go, therefore, and make disciples. You know how your English teacher had you um, parse, or not parse, but diagram a sentence. Go, therefore, make disciples, and then two participles under that. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now we come to teaching them. Well, okay, Tim, you've got us on authority, and you have us on officers, and you have us on baptism, but you ain't got us on teaching, let me tell you. Because this nation is filled, chock-a-brick full, of teaching, Christian teaching, right? Right? We have Christian radio stations and Christian conferences and Christian homeschool curricula. And we have Christian colleges and Christian seminaries. And we have Christian churches where Christian pastors give Christian sermons, right? And we have Christian books and Christian publishers. In fact, it's so successful that all the major publishers are trying to buy up the Christian publishers and have done most of them already. Fleming Revell owns Zondervan, and Fleming Revell is owned by Rupert Murdoch and News Corp. Right? We have Christian missionaries. We have Christian academic societies, you know, the Evangelical Theological Society. We have Christian teaching everywhere, a superfluity of Christian teaching. We have podcasts, we have Christian movies, we have Christian television networks. Right? So if there's anything in the Great Commission we have been faithful to as evangelicals, it's Christian teaching, right? You're on to me. He said, wrong. The wide-mouthed frog over there, wrong. Well, yeah, you would be right to think that I don't think we have Christian teaching either. So how have we been hypocritical on this one? Well, here's how. You know what we do with our Christian teaching? Here's our Christian teaching. Go, all of you, not officers, into all the world making 
People with a spiritual side. You know, you know what I mean by spiritual side, right? You know, I'm in touch with my, okay. Well, you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Lawrence, you know what I'm talking about. Lawrence was just at a certain place that will remain nameless, and he talked to a certain person who will remain nameless about his music, which had some sort of spiritual themes that happened to be of the Christian spiritual specificity. Go on, tell him. Here, here, here. You've got to tell him. This is, this is just priceless. There you go. And whatever time you take up. No. <laughs> Don't you all look forward to the day that you can do this? <laughs> um Okay, there, there was this uh, band, husband and wife group, playing guitar, singing uh, some very old songs, but they're kind of romanticists, and they're the themes of the songs that they had written. So anyway, uh, a lot of the themes, as, as Tim said, had themes of uh, spirituality. You know, they mentioned Jesus in their songs. And so I went up to the guy afterward, and I said, are you Christian? And he says, nobody's asked me that before. And I said, uh, and he thought for a minute, and he said, yeah, I got a spiritual side. And, you know, I'm kind of just, Tim was doing, you know, I kind of see like, you know, it's just me and God, you know, and he's putting his hands up like this. You know, we got this direct thing going, me and God. And, uh, And then he says, I used to be a member of the Presbyterian Church down in Madison, but I found that there was all this bickering inside, so you know, and the, this politics and everything like that. So that wasn't for me. So um, then I went to this other church, which turned out to be the Unitarian Universalist Church. <laughs> and um, so anyway, but he had this idea that he was Christian because he had this connection directly with God. Yeah, that's it. That's kind of, you know, this thing with, with God going. So I think um, that's what you're talking about, right? <laughs> now, listen, when Lawrence describes that, all of you know what he's talking about. This is, we've all been through this. That's what evangelicalism is now. It's the spiritual side It's devoid of officers. It's devoid of repentance. It's devoid of authority. There's racism everywhere. There's pornography everywhere. There's fornication everywhere. And we all have our spiritual side, which happens to have the specificity of Jesus Christ, because we happen to be Americans. This is what the Church of America is today. This is who we are. And we make this big show of fulfilling the Great Commission. And it's eviscerated of authority. There's no authority anywhere. There's no authority of Adam over Eve anymore. doesn't matter that Adam was born first and then Eve, because American evangelicalism is eviscerated 
the gospel of any authority of Adam over Eve, because Adam was formed first and then Eve, and it wasn't Adam that was deceived, but Eve was deceived and took of the fruit and ate. I'm quoting scripture. You go to any American college in America, Bible College, Columbia Bible College, Grace College of the Bible, now Grace University, let alone Wheaton, let alone Calvin, let alone Taylor. You go to these schools, they're hotbeds of feminism where it makes no difference that Adam was formed first and then Eve. The only place they may tell you it matters is when it comes to your home. Again, this private thing. And then in the home, only if you happen to be burdened by not having a a servant leader for a husband. (laughs) Because a servant leader, the whole point of it is that he always defers to his wife and never bears the responsibility for the children, for discipline, for godliness, for holiness. That's what servant leadership means. They make an allusion to Jesus washing their feet. But how is it Jesus was killed a few hours later? Have you ever known servant leadership promoted you in such a way that anybody would die for it? For doing it? Is that what they mean by servant leader? Does it bring more persecution? No, it doesn't. And so authority's gone, or it's private in the home if you have... A jerk for a husband who doesn't know what servant leadership is. <laughs> Do you understand? And it's in some churches, but certainly not out in the world. The order of creation makes no difference in the world and no difference in our colleges, no difference in our parachurch groups, and some difference in the church, you know. I mean, he is man right here, right now. I mean, it's Adam preaching, unfortunately, because a woman would do this much better. She'd make me feel much more safe. I don't feel safe right now. And discipleship? We're not making disciples. And and baptism? We don't bother. And it doesn't involve a testimony of repentance, just faith, baptism. And then, teaching. Our teaching is um, didactic truths. That's it. There's lots of uh, indicative and no imperative. There's lots of this is true and no, therefore do. And when they do give us the therefore do, they apologize for it. I was at a church out on the East Coast. It was actually a good church, PCA Church, 10th Pres. They preached on the doctrine of uh, husbands loving their wives, serving their wives. They got to the text where it says, as the weaker vessel. And I've never in my life seen anybody so apologetic and fearful as he opened up a text of Scripture. It was hilarious. And it was a good sermon, except for that. You know, and so when it comes to us teaching, our teaching is all didactic. There's no commands. There's no imperative. It's all indicative. And there's certainly no in your face. He stays in the pulpit and it's a big one. But he's not. (laughs) And can you imagine the Apostle Paul people? You know what the Apostle Paul was doing. He was here. You know, he had everybody right in front of him. There was no escaping the Apostle Paul. Still today, we read his letters, and it's so embarrassing. They're mortifying. I plead with you, Doi and Syntyche. (laughs) 
to agree with one another in the Lord. Alexander the metalsmith did me great harm. It's quite personal. But have you ever heard anybody called out in a church ever? Have you ever heard anybody called out by name in a church? Paul does it all the time. And we've evolved, haven't we? And then, here's what we do. Teaching them, make disciples, baptizing, teaching. Here's what we do, teaching them, okay? We teach them everything Jesus taught. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I taught you. And we're fine with that. Right? You're fine with that. Paraphrase, right? (laughs) I'm snookering you. That means I'm trying to get you. Okay? We don't teach what the commission says. We teach them everything Jesus taught. But that's not what the text says. The text says teaching them everything I commanded. Not everything Jesus taught. It says teach them everything I commanded. And so we're supposed to teach commands. We're not supposed to go around talking about grace endlessly to people who have never felt the burden of the commands to holiness that there are in Scripture. But I've snookered you again. Teaching them everything he taught. Okay, now you know that's wrong, right? Then I said teaching them to everything Jesus commanded. But I, but I didn't say teaching them what? To observe and obey. Obey everything he commanded. In other words, it's all a scheme. It's a huge scheme to eviscerate the Great Commission of any content. The whole way to the end. Because even when we get to the end, you'll see that when he says, I'm with you always, that's just a problem. It's grace, it's kindness, it's reassuring. It's not a threat. (laughs) And so this is who we are. This is who we are. We make a big show of obeying the Great Commission. Not one part of it do we allow to have the integrity of what Jesus commanded. So when we say teaching them, we mean teaching them everything Jesus taught, teaching them Everything Jesus commanded, never, ever, ever teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded that they obey. And that's the Christian life. Instead, the Christian life and the obedience of the Great Commission today has become what? Say it again. No, come on. It's sharing the gospel. Not even proclaiming the gospel. Sharing the gospel. It's pathetic. If words have any meaning... If the Great Commission has become sharing the gospel, the gig is up. We're exposed. We don't fear God. We don't love Jesus Christ. We don't know anything about grace. Because we do not proclaim the authority of Jesus Christ in public, but in private is a revelation. And then as C.S. Lewis says... They'll make sure we're never alone. If that's what the authority of Jesus is, they'll make sure we're never alone. And then we move over to making disciples. They're not disciples. They hack each other to death. They're racist. They're greedy. They're gossips. 
I'm a pornographer. I am an adulterer. I am greedy. I am proud. I am arrogant. I'm an idolater. And then we don't baptize. And if we do, baptism has no repentance. And then we don't teach them anything other than what Jesus taught. And Jesus never taught. Jesus commanded. When Jesus had his most extensive teaching, when he got to the end, he said this. He said, be wise like the man who does what? Who builds his house on a rock. And when all the squirrely dispensationalists got into the crowd on on the mount where the sermon was being given, Jesus stopped and he said, Heaven and earth will pass away before a single jot or tittle of the law will pass away. You know, that nasty Old Testament. Jesus stopped in the middle. He knew there were going to be a bunch of dispensationals in the American church today. And he said, no, don't play that game. Jesus had absolute authority. That's why they killed him. And it was only as the disciples and apostles submitted to his authority that the church grew. And the church is not growing today. Trust me. The whole world was filled with Jews in the time of Christ. And the Jews, not the Jewish leaders, they did too, but the Jews killed the Messiah. And when they claimed that they were sons of Abraham, sons of Moses, Jesus, God said to them, no, you have the devil for your father. And today, if Jesus came in America today, do you think Jesus would look at all of us evangelicals and he'd say, what a superfluity of disciples of Jesus Christ. Do you think that's what he'd say to us today? Hmm? Do you think that's what he'd say to us today? It's not what he'd say. It's not what he'd say. Now, What's the response of us to this? First of all, admit I'm right. I'm right. Okay, just admit it. Don't fight me. Because the Holy Spirit's word is always cutting. That's why it's called a hammer. That's why it's called a fire. Generally, if God speaks to us, it's scary. Okay? Then number two, thank God that... We have the privilege of going under his authority everywhere and making disciples, baptizing, repentance, and teaching them to obey. And that's Christian faith. You don't have to buy any of the counterfeits. You don't have to trim. You don't have to be embarrassed because all authority has been given to him. Not me, him. So you're free. You're completely free. Can't do anything to you. Your wife can't do anything to you. Your husband can't do anything to you. Your father and your mother and your children don't matter. Next door neighbor, your boss, the cops. Jesus Christ has every bit of authority on this earth. And so we have the privilege of being fools for Christ. So whose fool are you?
never can give anything to Jesus, that he doesn't give it back a hundredfold in this life and the next. So be a fool for him. Memorize the Great Commission and obey it. 